Well, Merry Christmas to you. We are so glad you are here with us this afternoon. My name is Joe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. And didn't the kids do an amazing job? Yes, let's give it up for them. Wow. So incredible. So incredible. It was awesome just to hear them sing out the joy that they showed us and remind us of the wonder of this day. And if you are a first-time guest, I want to extend a special welcome to you, whether you're here in person with us or watching online. We're glad you're here We'd love to connect with you. The easiest way to do that is to fill out a connection card and also on your way out, pick up a gift bag as our way of saying thanks for being here with us today. And as we are in this season, we've been in a series called Christmas Has Come Here. Say that with me. Christmas Has Come Here. And we've been journeying through Dr. Luke's account in Luke chapter 1 about that very first Christmas, that very, very first Christmas. And as we Think about that very first Christmas. There are so many different elements and so many different characters that are a part of that story. But one of the things that you hear is a lot of singing. There's a lot of songs that are a part of that very first Christmas. So as we think about that, I want to ask you this question. I want you to participate with me. What's your favorite Christmas song? All of them them doesn't count, but we'll take it. Angels we have heard on high. I like that. What, what other ones? Rudolph, Rudolph the, what's that? Rudolph? Rudolph? Little drummer boy? Rudolph. Sure. All I want for Christmas. What did, what did you say? Rudolph. Rudolph. I like that. What else? What else we got over here? Little town of Bethlehem. Oh, holy night. What child is this? Silent night. Mary, did you know? Emmanuel, any other, any other songs? Rocking around the Christmas tree. How many guys like that, right? That's a good one. We wish you a Merry Christmas. Joy to the world. There's so many, right? You guys get this, this idea here. Away in the manger, there's more, right? There's all kinds of songs. There's so many songs that we could say, wow, as I look at this season, these are the songs that I really enjoy. And so as we think about that, here's the next part of what I want to give to you, which is, again, that first Christmas was full of songs. And so what we're going to do, even as we are in this teaching today, every time I say the word song or sing, I want you to say, la, 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 la. All right, kids, show them how it's done. La, 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 la. Again, let me hear you say it again. Perfect, perfect. So every time I say that, every time I say sing or song, it's... Okay, there we go, there we go. Don't be, don't be like playing it kind of soft, all right? Let it be heard. It's a joyful time, it's a joyful time. So again, that first Christmas, it was full of songs. There we go. And so as we think about that, how can we join in the singing with those who sang... That first Christmas. Yes, I love it. I love it. So how can we join them? How can we join them in that? And again, as we've said throughout this teaching series, is that when we think about the idea that Christmas has come here, it's this idea that Christ comes near both our joy and our fear. He comes near both those things that we experience in life. And so as we go through today what it is that we're going to see, as we continue this journey in Luke chapter 1, we're going to learn 
how we can join in the singing of those that very first Christmas. Yes, I love it. All right, so here we go. As we continue on, we're going to be jumping right in to Luke chapter 1, starting in verse 39. And we're going to jump through a couple different portions of this passage. And I want us to, again, to see how they experienced this very first Christmas, what that says for us in our own lives as well. It says this, starting in verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. So I need your help. What does it look like to leap? Can you show me what a leap looks like? Just stand up and do it. Stand up and do it. Yeah, there we go. Let me see it. Let me see it. Yes. 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 Come on. Yes, I love it. Adults, don't don't be shy. You can participate too. There's no judgment. I like this. That was kind of like a wave. I got a wave going on here for the adults, right? But there's this like leaping. There's this joy. Yes, my son Ray, he's on it. He's on it. Got, Got a great leap. But there's this joy. And again, one of the things that you can't help but see is that Zachariah and Elizabeth, who are old in age, past the point of being able to have children, were given this gift that they were going to have a child. And that God shows up. And God shows up no matter how old you are, in their sense, in their life, and where they are. This was way past the point that they were expecting or able or supposed to be able to have children. And so for us, as we think about that in our own story, you're never too old for God to show up and to work in your life. Now, that may not mean you bear a child at a very old age, right? My, my mom and I were talking about that today. She's, she's here visiting from Atlanta, and she's like, but, you know, just reminding me, yes, God shows up and works no matter how old you are. Thankfully, it's not limited to the fact that you could get pregnant at 70 and plus, right? Like, that's, you know, that's not the point. The point is God shows up and he works. And so for Zachariah and Elizabeth, the baby that they were carrying specifically as you think about who he was, he was the one that was going to go before Jesus. It was John the Baptist. And so just at the presence of Jesus in Mary's womb, who's, again, this teenage girl, this was not on her radar. She was poor. Again, she's most likely between the ages of 14 to 16 years old, not expecting this, but this sound of who this Jesus is to be in his presence causes this great joy for John. He leaps. He leaps. And just think about that. Think about what joy Jesus brings in our own life as well. And it goes on to say this. It says, in a loud voice, she exclaimed. And so this is Elizabeth. She's going to exclaim. She's going to sing. She's going to sing. Yes. Yes. You were, you were, I gave you a little delay here. Listen to what she says. It says this, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. Well, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. And so what Elizabeth is just saying is God is doing this unexpected thing. He's working in a way that didn't seem to be how he would show up. Again, you've got to remember, there's 400 years of silence before God speaks through the prophets, shows up, 
in this way. There's Roman oppression that's going on. People are turning away from God, but there's this group of people that are holding on to who he is and to his promise. And some of those people are mentioned here, Elizabeth, Mary. And Elizabeth's just acknowledging, hey, this is God's goodness and kindness towards you, Mary, and towards all people. The fact that you are carrying not just a child, but you're carrying my Savior, my Lord. She's recognizing this moment for what it is and how good and kind God is. So as we think about this, as we think about this song and what she's singing, it's a reminder of this. It's a reminder of this, that Jesus brings joy into our life. Say that with me. Jesus brings joy into our lives. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus brings joy into our lives. And so he brings joy. He brings joy that's bigger than our set of circumstances, that's bigger than what's going on around us in the life that we live and where we find ourselves in this historical moment. Again, we're reminded what they experienced 2,000 years prior, the fact that in the midst of all that they were going through and experiencing and waiting on God to show up, they found joy in who God is. They anchored themselves in who he is. And I'm here to tell you today that there's, it's easy to build our lives on things that won't provide lasting joy. They can't. They're unable to do that. And even when we look like we've got it going on, we look like everything's working in the way that it should be working as defined by the way the culture and the world defines it, and even sometimes by the way Christian subculture defines it, ultimately there's another way. There's a way that's found truly in what Jesus has for us. Because when we look at our lives, and even though we have all the stuff, and even though we have it going on, so to speak, if we're honest, there's a lack of joy. And again, joy's not built on our circumstances. It's built on who Christ is. That allows us to have the strength to even go through those difficult times. And then joy shows up in all kinds of other ways as well. Kids singing. The book that we just read and heard from Miss Amy, my beautiful bride. You know, just this idea that there's joy all around us that reminds us of the goodness and the grace and the kindness of God towards us. His pursuit of each and every one of us. Because that's what Christmas tells us. He came and he comes near both our joy and our fear. So here's a question for you to think about. Is your response to the life of Jesus one of joy? Is your response, just like John's was, to leap at who Jesus is? Have you lost the wonder of who Jesus is? Have you lost the mystery? Have you lost the sense of the fact that he wants to do something in your life? Have you become cynical? Have you allowed your heart to come to a place where not only you've experienced challenges, but it's hardened maybe the outer layer of your heart as a self-protective way of not saying that God could possibly show up and do something that's impossible. Because you know what? For Elizabeth and for Mary, they didn't know how God was going to show up, but he did show up. But one of the things that we can't miss is that they found their joy in who God is and what he was doing. And even if we don't do it perfectly, because we never will, the idea is that we're in process and we're holding on to him. Will you open yourself up this Christmas and beyond to the joy and the delight that's found in him? Will you see the gifts that are here first in who Christ is? The fact that we're together, the fact that we get to enjoy things like hot chocolate, a hot chocolate bar, come on now. This is this good stuff, right? 
You know, like I know some of you, you're, only on, you're already on round two of the hot chocolate bar. You're like, man, that stuff is good, right? The photo booth and just all these gifts that we're given in this season. Don't allow the stress, don't allow the pain, don't allow all the hardship to take your eyes off who Jesus is in the midst of it. That doesn't mean we need to be dishonest about how hard those things are, but that we would come to the source that sustains us through what it is that we're facing and we're going through, that we come together. To be honest with you, this season for me, more than what we're going to do content-wise, and that it's important to preach God's Word and to, to have all the ways in which we're going to connect around His Word and to pray together, that's so important. But I think the thing that God has been showing me is the importance of one another. We need community desperately. We need others to join in us with what it is that we're carrying and going through, both the joys and the sorrows. So who are you journeying with? Who are you sharing the joys and the sorrows with? Because again, you see Mary and Elizabeth were doing that. They were sharing in this moment together. Who are you sharing your life with? Ultimately, Jesus wants to share his life with you. He's asking, will you share your life with me? And then others are meant to be a part of that as well. Well, it continues on here, and it says this, in Luke 1, starting in verse 46, it says, And Mary said, this is her song. This is called Mary's song. I love this. I love this. This is so good. This is Mary's song, and it says this. My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. And I don't want you to miss this. Mary's saying, in God, my Savior. For he has been mindful. He has been mindful. Say that with me. He has been mindful. Turn to your neighbor and say, he's been mindful of you. Do you know that? He's been mindful of what it is you're carrying, what it is you're going through. He sees you, and he values you, and he cares deeply for you. He is mindful of you. He is mindful of you. And it says this, of the humble state of his servant, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done Great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. And then it continues on. It says the following. It says, he has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped the servant, he has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. And so as you think about what Mary's saying, Mary says eight times, he has done this. God has done this for me. God has shown up in this way in human history. God continues to meet us and minister to us in this. He has been mindful of, of me. He has been mindful of my humble state. He talks, she talks about how he cares about those who don't have, how he shows up in that way. And, and this isn't really a commentary about those who do have, but it's rather about the posture of one's heart towards themselves, towards God, and towards others. Is there a humility there? Because one of the things I take from when I listen to Mary talk, beyond a gratitude for what God was doing with her, is a humility. She recognized Again, this was not on her radar. Not only was it not on her radar, she hadn't yet consummated her marriage to Joseph. And not only that, but she really was somebody 
who knew God's word. You hear her proclaim the scripture again and again and again. She's one that had pondered on the things of God and wanted to walk in the ways of God. So as we think about this idea of joining those who sang that very first Christmas, I want to remind us, as we think about that, what it is that we saw in Mary. Because to join them in the singing, we have to walk in humility. See, humility holds the key to sing to the king. Yes, I love it. Humility holds the key to sing to the king. And so as you think about this humility, as you think about what that means, a lot of times we have a misinformed definition of humility. Humility recognizes, first of all, I'm made in the image of God. I'm an image bearer of God, and so are the people around me. And because I'm made in his image, that means he has a way in which he's designed my life and the way in which he's designed me and the way in which the world is supposed to operate. And I want to walk in humility to that. I want to recognize that all that he's doing in my life, all the ways that he's working, I want to acknowledge where that's coming from. I want to acknowledge the source. Do you notice how Mary does that again and again? She doesn't say, hey, look at me. All eyes on me. It's Mary here, right? Look, look, what, look what's going on in my life. Look what I made happen. She doesn't talk like that. You don't hear that from her at all. You hear a humility. You hear a recognition. Wow, God, you have shown up in this way. You have met your people in their great need. When we felt hopeless, you've brought hope. And so in humility, in humility, she sings out. In humility, we too can join in singing, just like those who sang that very first Christmas. We join in that singing with humility, but also with, with this joy, this joy that's found in who Jesus is. So here's a question for you. What's your posture as you enter the presence of Jesus? What is your posture towards him and before him? Is it one that says, hey, I don't think you know what's best for my life and have my best interest in mind. And there's a lot of reasons why you may have that viewpoint and vantage point. Maybe it's even your experience with the church itself. Some of you, you're like, no, that's not my response. My response is, I got it. I don't need you. I don't need a savior. I don't need a leader of my life. I know how to design my life perfectly by myself. I don't need your input. Maybe that's you. Maybe for you, you're like, man, you don't know how far I've gone and how much I've messed up and how I've blown it again and again and again and again. You don't know the things that I've done. You don't know the things that I've been caught up in. And there is just no hope for me. There is no way that he would want anything to do with somebody like me. Maybe that's your posture. Maybe that's your viewpoint of him. And yet Christmas tells us that's not true because he came for people like you and me. He came for the prideful and self-righteous. He came for those who were immoral. He came for those who were hypocritical in their way of life. He came for those who were looked down as somebody who had nothing to offer. He came for all of us. He came to pursue a prodigal people, and that's you and me. He comes for us, no matter where we've been, no matter what we've done. The question is, though, will we humble ourselves? And humility, again, recognizes who I am and my need for what Jesus has come to do. But also humility recognizes that he could do something with somebody like me. 
that he could do something in my life, with my life, through my life. That's humility too. Because oftentimes we have this false humility that says, God could never, ever want to use me. I have nothing to offer. I'm no good. All these ways in which we think. And yes, we need to recognize our need, but we don't need to forget we're image bearers. We bear the image of God. And Jesus is bringing back the restoration of what that was meant to be for us on this side of eternity. He's making all things new. We're a picture of that coming day where it will be perfectly done. And it's beautiful to behold, and it's beautiful to be a part of. So no matter who you are or where you've been, he's come for you. So again, what's your posture before the presence of Christ? What is your posture in his presence? Do you believe, again, who he is and what he's come to do for you and in you and through you? Do you believe he's at work? Well, as we think about what happens with Elizabeth and Mary, there's these other songs that we heard Miss Amy read about them here in Luke chapter 2. And I just want you to hear what's said to these shepherds, because again, these shepherds are reminders to us that God uses people who are oftentimes in our cultural definitions irredeemable, because the shepherds were not held in high regard. The shepherd's testimony was not uh, trusted in a court of law. They were looked down as people who didn't have anything to offer, just like Mary. She came from Nazareth. She was poor. No one was looking at Mary and being like, wow, I got to get around Mary. She knows what's going on, right? No, that's not the way that it worked in that day. But yet it's a reminder for us that God uses people that we don't expect him to use because he's a God that does the impossible. He does the impossible. He shows up in ways that we can't fully understand. But listen to what it says here. It says, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And it goes on to say this, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, let's read this out loud together on three, one, two, three. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. You can stop right there. You can stop right there. Great job. I've got great news, he says. I've got great news, they say. I've got this good news that will cause great joy for all people. And he goes on to say, the angels go on to say, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. A Savior. That means we need saving. That means that we were spiritually dead. We weren't just bad people who needed to be made good. We were dead spiritually, and we needed to be made alive spiritually. We need a Savior. And that's who Jesus is, has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be assigned to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And what you hear the angels doing, they're singing as well. They're saying this, this song that simply says, again, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. And do you know that we're all the people? We're all the people. We're part of that story. And as they go and they tell Mary and Joseph what they've heard and they do what it is that was asked of them. They then go tell others about it as well. Because when we experience something of great joy, we can't help but share it with others. We can't help but tell others 
about the joy that is ours, the joy that's found in Jesus. So as we think about what it is that we're hearing in this and what it is that we see when it comes to those very first Christmas songs and to join in with those songs, I love it, I love it. Surrender to Jesus is a big part of what you see. And see, surrender to Jesus is what satisfies the deepest longings of our soul. So what is the longing in your own soul? What's the fear that you have? What's the yearning that you're looking to solve and to satisfy and quench? Jesus makes it very clear that he's the living water. Jesus makes it very clear that he's the light of the world. It's Jesus through his life, death, burial, and resurrection. It's Jesus who doesn't just stay in the manger, but one that comes to experience the whole of life and will grow and be tempted like you and I are tempted. We'll experience what it means to be fully human and to show us what it means to be fully human, but also what it means to find salvation in what he's come to do, to have a right standing with God and to be made right with God and to join God for the purposes in which we were created for. And that comes through faith and trust in him. So as we think about this, Here's a question for you. What has kept you from fully surrendering to Mary's Son and Savior, Jesus? So Mary gave birth to Jesus, but, but not only did she give birth to Jesus, but she saw Jesus as her Savior. She recognized Him for who He was. God in flesh, God with us, God for us. She saw Him crucified and murdered on the cross. Willingly, He did that for you and for me. And then she saw him resurrected. And then she saw him ascend up into heaven. You know, this promise for you and for me is that if we'll surrender to Jesus, we will find salvation. We will find the right standing with God that we were created for, but we can't earn and we can't perform and we can't be or do enough good for. It answers the deepest longings of our own hearts to find meaning and significance and purpose. It brings to us the comfort that we so need and the strength that we need to make sense of this world and the world to come. It's found in Jesus. And so what in your own life is keeping you from fully surrendering? Maybe you are here and you say, you know, I've been a follower of Christ for some time, but there's an area of my life I'm not giving over to him. Why is that? It's not too late. You can do that today. And then for some of us, We have yet to put our trust in Jesus. So if today you're like, you know what? Today's the day I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to begin a relationship with God. I just want you to simply pray this prayer. And it simply goes like this. It's this next slide. Jesus, I'm surrendering to you as my Savior. Jesus, I am surrendering to you as my Savior. It's a simple prayer, but it's really about the posture of our heart. And so I just want to invite us to take a moment to pray together. And as we pray together, I want you to consider who this Jesus is and what he's come to do for you and what he offers each and every one of us. Let's pray together. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us. And Father, I pray for every person here today. I pray for anybody who is yet to put their trust in you that today they would do that. So if you're here today and you have yet to surrender to Jesus as your Savior, you can just pray that simple prayer that says, Jesus, I'm surrendering to you as my Savior. And so today's the day that you've said, I'm putting my trust and my faith in Jesus for the first time. 
this is the first time I'm doing that. I'm, I'm crossing the line of faith. I would love to know that. So with every eye closed and head bowed, if you've done that, just raise your hand so I can pray for you. If you've, if you've done that today, if you've said, hey, I've made a decision to come after Jesus to trust him, you can just raise your hand and I'll pray for you. Yes, I see that hand. Yeah, I see, see some hands. Okay. All right. Father, we thank you for those who have put their trust in you. We rejoice with the angels. And Lord, we thank you for salvation that's found in you, Christ, and you alone. You are so good and you're so kind to us. Lord, I pray you'd meet us in where we find ourselves in, whether it's in the, the midst of something that's challenging and difficult, medical diagnosis, whether it's in the midst of a battle with addiction, whether it's a relationship not going the way that we want it to go, or maybe we're in a good season, Father, where things are going and clicking and may we not lose sight of you in that too. We're so grateful that you're near to us, both in our joys and our fears. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.